Okay, one more time, stand up. Armor up, stand up. We're going to put the armor on today. Hopefully you've learned it and you've learned the order of it, and now it's indelibly imprinted in your mind. So every time you wake up and you wake up in the morning or before you go to bed at night, so I, we put it on at night and in the morning because the enemy will come and attack you at night too. Okay, so what do we have first, church? Ooh, y'all are good. What's next? Okay, next. Okay, next. Okay, what else? All right, get ready. The sword of the Spirit. And what? Pray in the Spirit. Praying always. And then what do we do? After having done all, we stand. Come on, stomp your feet. Say, I'm standing. Say, I don't lean. I stand. Say, I don't lean. I stand. Amen. You, you may be seated. Thank you. Y'all are so good. Y'all are just so, wow. Trained, yeah. <laughs> I've got you brainwashed. Okay, we're going to read from a different translation as I've been trying to do every week of this series. Same passage, different translation, New English, uh, New Living Translation today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. A final word. Paul, this is the Apostle Paul. He says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Whose mighty power? His, not yours. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to do what? Stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we're not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Remember, if you can pinch it and it hollers, that's not your enemy. Okay, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in where? In heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13 says... Put on every piece. Say every piece. every piece. So put on every piece of God's armor so you will be able to resist. Say resist. That's a good word. So you can resist the enemy in the time of evil. Uh, one translation says in the evil day, and I think we've all agreed we're there. Then after the battle, you will still be doing what? Standing firm. So what next? Stand your ground. Putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. That's that preparation. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery darts of the devil. It says, or the flaming arrows, it, it quenches every dart. Every dart if we have the shield of faith up. Then today's armor is in verse 17, the first part. Put on salvation as your helmet. Say salvation. salvation. And, may, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. People that say, you know, I, I, don't, I think all the gifts have ceased. You know, they made, it, made, it makes Paul look like really he didn't know what he's talking about, doesn't it? But he does know what he's talking about. He says, pray where? In the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Another translation say, pray in all, pray in all kinds of prayers. Stay alert. Say, stay alert. stay alert. And be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. So today we're talking about the helmet of salvation. Put on salvation as your helmet. The expanded Bible says it this way, accept, receive, or take the helmet of salvation. Many of the translations just say take the helmet of, of salvation, but in the, in the process you have to believe it, you have to receive it, you have to be willing to put it on. Now for many of us, and many of us I think, uh, and, and I myself included, I think, well, that should have been the first piece of armor, the helmet of salvation. That's the first thing we need to focus on. 
But it is not really. There's an order to this armor. There's an order to the way Paul said to put it on. Remember, he was in jail at the time when he wrote this. He would look at it and he would see these Roman soldiers in all their, in all their armor. And so he was looking at them. But in the spirit, he knew that there's a way to put on the armor of God. And so he said, to first, we have to put on that belt of truth. You see, you can't have salvation until you know the truth. You, you just can't. And until you know what the truth is, and the word of God is truth, and Jesus is the truth, you really can't have salvation. And so he says you've got to put on this, this belt of truth. And when you put the belt of truth on, then you're ready for the next piece of equipment. Then you understand I'm covered in the righteousness of Christ, and I can walk in these shoes of peace, and, and I, can, I, can continue, I can take up the shield of faith. All these things work together. But he said when you do all these things, just know that there's a, a piece of equipment, a piece of armor. And that back then when he was walking around and he was looking, Basil, this is from Basil's uh, museum in there, uh, Basil Frazier, and he loaned this to me. Many of you saw the, my, my video wearing this, and it was really crazy looking. But this is, this is like a, a replica. Say replica. This is not bronze. It may look like bronze from out there, but it's plastic, and uh, it's got this, these little feather plumes. So when they wore these helmets back then, these were for protection, and the plume was actually designated... Uh, their rank. A lot of times the plume, whatever kind of plume that they had on the top of their head, that re represented what kind of rank that they had, not uh, how rank they were, but how, what kind of, you know, their position. So when we have, when we have this helmet of salvation, it, it talks about not just our position in Christ, but our protection in Christ. Helmets are very important. Did y'all know that? Yes. Uh, in sports, there's hardly a sport left around that doesn't require a helmet. Now, Ron Campbell would say rugby is the only real sport of men left. Because they don't wear helmets. But I tell you, that just, makes them, that just makes them look stupid, you know, because they're out there banging their heads together and there's hel no helmet. But helmets are important. How many of y'all know it? How many, how many have a sport that, that you wear a helmet? How many ride a bicycle and you wear a helmet? Those are the silliest looking things, aren't they? I thought if I fall off a bike with that little helmet, it ain't going to do nothing. So sometimes I wouldn't wear one. But helmets are, are they're expensive. An NFL helmet, I did a little study on this. Y'all think, think I just make this stuff up. I did an in-depth study on Google. Uh, and it's true. Bonjour. Uh, that an NFL helmet costs about $700 for one helmet. Uh, because they've had so much, so much technology go into it to try to protect these players that have massive, you know, collisions, uh, keep the, pro the, the, the concussions down, the brain injuries down, because they've seen over the last many decades, many of the players in their older uh, stages of life, they've had all sorts of brain damage from that. And so they've, they spend a lot of money on technology to create a helmet that's safer, but this, they still have concussions. Every week there's a pr concussion protocol many of the players have to go through because they, their helmet wasn't enough. So it's important. We, we look at in the natural, we want our children to be protected. We buy them the best equipment. We want to be protected if we're, if we're doing anything that requires, that needs some safety to it. So we, we want to do, we want to armor up in the natural. And God says, but, and, and Paul sees that, and he says, but we need to armor up in the spiritual. And that's what all this armor is about. If you just get fixated on that, that kind of a helmet, the shield and all that, you'll miss the point, what Paul is saying. These are just pictures of what the armor is supposed to look like in the spiritual realm. So he's referring to, he's seen these soldiers, he's seen them go to battle, and then he's seen that they have this identification, they have a plume, and they have this certain rank. And then he sees this, this incredible thing, and when I read it a few weeks ago in Psalm, and he sees, he sees the armor of God that's being put on. And so he says, this is what we need if we're going to combat the plan of the enemy. 
Now, I want to remind you, this armor is not about your salvation. Even though it covers that, the armor was specifically in Ephesians 6 because he said we have an enemy. Say an enemy. He has a lot of names. I've shared those names with you. He has a lot of strategies. He has a lot of schemes. He has a lot of people or a lot of uh, demonic forces at his disposal all through the world. There's a third of the angels were cast down that they said, we don't want, we want to follow Satan. We're not going to follow Jesus. We're not going to follow God. And they were cast down and they're here. They're on this earth and they harass Christians. They don't harass so much lost people because lost people are what? Lost people. So that's why Paul says, I see my brothers and sisters going through all sorts of struggles and, and they're just not prepared for what's, about, what's, what's hitting them. They're not prepared for the blindside attacks. They're not prepared for, prepared for sickness. They're not prepared for temptation. And he said, you've got to armor up if you're going to be ready to walk this walk. So he gives us this mandate. He gives us this, this literal uh, or this picture of what armoring up in the spirit looks like. And so where does the enemy attack? When we get to the helmet of salvation, this is so cool. I thought, well, salvation there, it must be sozo. It must be the word sozo. But it's not the word sozo. It's a different word for for salvation there. And it's called soteria, sotiras, sotiras. And it's it's a Greek word, and it means really in the context of this scripture, it doesn't mean wholeness. It doesn't mean salvation as we think of salvation, the blood of Christ covering us. It means peace of mind. So I look at this, I'm thinking, he's already said, put on the shoes of peace. Where does the enemy attack us, church? Come on, put your hand right there, between your ears. Where does the enemy attack us? Where does sin start? In our thought life, in our minds. So when the enemy's attacking us and, and we, we are engaged with the enemy, we're not listening, we're not prepared, we're not covered with that that peace of mind that God has for us, then we walk in this thing called confusion and chaos. And when we start walking in confusion and chaos and doubt and unbelief, it's like we don't have that helmet on. We don't even know about the helmet. And so we're lost. And and he has us right there because if he gets your thoughts, he's got you. If he gets your thoughts, he's got you. 2 Corinthians 10, this is one of the most powerful passages when it comes to knowing how to armor up and cover our minds in all of the Bible, in all of the Scripture. You need to highlight it. Paul, Paul has, has been writing these letters. He comes to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth is very worldly. It's very carnal. And you know what they do to Paul? They, they actually accuse him. They're, they're always pointing fingers at him. They say, well, when you come here, you're not, you're not very bold. But when you write your letters, you're really mean to us. And so they were always accusing Paul. For some reason, they were trying to find fault with him. They were very religious. They were very carnal in their thinking. And so Paul writes this letter, and he comes to this place in, in 2 Corinthians 10 and says, look, I, all right, he says, I'm going to address this. I want to shut you guys down that are always accusing me. And he says, for we walk, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Let me read that again. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. See, Paul's admitting, I'm flesh and blood. How many of you are flesh and blood? Pinch the person next to you, see if they squeal. You're flesh and blood. You're flesh and blood. Everybody in here is flesh and blood. How many of you know you walk in the flesh? And then say, oh, no, not me. I'm spiritual. 
I'm talking about literally we, we get up and we have to, or should, brush our teeth. We should take a bath, whatever. We have to close, our, close ourselves because we're flesh people. That's how God made us. He, when he made us to cut, when, we, when we're cut, we bleed, right? So we're flesh and blood. And so he's not denying that he's, a, he's not an angel. He said, I'm not some angel. I'm, I'm flesh and blood. I walk just like you. I have to put my, my pants on like you. I have to put my shoes on like you. I have to do, I have to work. So Paul's, he's agreeing with them. I walk in the flesh. He said that there's a difference between walking in the flesh and warring. When the enemy comes after, he says, I don't war according to the flesh. Then in verse 4, he says, for the weapons. Now, you, this word weapons, you can almost interchange the word armor there. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or worldly, but mighty. Say mighty in God. Mighty. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. We've been singing about strongholds all morning. He says they are mighty in God in the pulling down of strongholds. And so he lists all of the. So he's, he could be referring back to what he, he's written to the church at Ephesus about the armor that we're to put on. Here's the thing about the armor. We, we, when we put this armor on, and you've been learning about the armor all these few weeks, did you know that there's a counterfeit? There's, there's a way that we do things, in, in, and we try to call them religious, or we call, try to call them Christian, and we do things, and it, may, it looks a lot like the, what Paul's talking about, but it's not the same. Did you know that we can do that in our flesh? Yes, we can. Like, instead of the belt of truth, you know what you can put on? The belt, the belt of manipulation. You can twist the truth to manipulate somebody to do what you want them to do. You can twist the truth to do what you want to do. Right? Well, you know, didn't actually didn't really mean that, Pastor. It, that's just kind of the way it sounds. But, you know, that was 2,000 years ago. And, you know, he didn't expect us to do that anymore. And, and so instead of the belt of truth, we can manipulate. Instead of the breastplate of righteousness, we, we, can, we can have our own image of success. Oh, look at me. You know, I, I'm, I'm a godly person. I am covered in the righteousness of Christ. And we have no idea of what that even means, that we're in right standing with God because of his righteousness. And all of a sudden we think if we're doing the right living, then we have the righteousness of Christ because we're doing everything just the way we're supposed to do. And we, we give this image to everybody else. But in the, in the backside, in the dark side, in the private, we have a whole different image. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody in here has probably portrayed something out here that back there you couldn't see because it was, in the, it was, in, it was hidden. It was in the darkness. Instead of the, the shoes of peace, you know what we can use? We can use smooth words. We can just, man, we can make, we can make something. That's what, you know, salesmen do. They have, they're smooth talkers. How many salesmen I got in here? Yeah, you know, you just, they're, they're like, no, not now. Not, not. I used to be. But we can manipulate, we can do all these things, and, and it's kind of a counterfeit uh, of, the, uh, of the armor of God. Instead of the shield of faith, we can have this perception of power. Our own perception of power. Oh, I can do this. I, I don't know how many times I've heard, especially men, say, I don't know, I, don't, I, can, I can do this on my own, Pastor. I, I got this. And then the next week there, I didn't have it. <laughs> I got this, I can make it. I don't need any help. And people do, that all, people do it all the time. They think that they can pull up their shield of faith. Well, I've got a strong faith. Really, do you? Are you, are you raising the, his faith up? Are you standing in his faith? Are you holding that shield of faith up this morning? Instead of the helmet of salvation, some simply do this thing called, uh, I'm an authority. 
And it's, since I'm in authority, I will lord it over you. You know, pastors can do that. You can do that all day long. Well, he's a pastor. You better, mind, you better listen to him. So the pastor thinks, well, I've got authority, so I can tell people what to do, and they'll do it. Parents sometimes misuse their authority. Police officers misuse their authority. Umpires misuse their authority. <laughs> Anybody can do that. And you can call it, you can call it, you can use Christianese if you want to. You can, you, you can use uh, all the right terminology, but your true authority is, that God, is God's given authority. And you know that authority looks like humility. Amen. It just looks like humility. You know, the best, the best leaders are also the best followers. If you're going to lead, you, if you're going to be a servant, if, you, if you're going to lead, you need to be a servant of the Lord first and foremost. Oh, I'm a leader. I got leadership qualities. God's deemed me. He's, he's not. He's called me this. He's called me that. You're an apostle. You're an evangelist. And oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's me. And we can walk in this authority, this, this false sense of authority because of our pride and our arrogance. So be careful about the armor that you're putting on, that it's God's armor, not your armor. Amen. Romans 12, 2, when he says this, Paul says this, and we, you've heard this scripture from this pulpit many times. It's another one of those really highlighted uh, verses you need to know and you need to understand it. He says, and do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. What is this world wanting you to be like? The world. The world has come into the church like a flood. Well, if you do it this way, you'll get more people. If you'll take your offering up, you'll get more people. If you'll send out this message, you'll get more people. If you'll do it this way, you'll get more people. You'll get more money. He says, do not be conformed to this world. Listen, we have the King of kings and Lord of lords speaking life in us. We don't need to hear the enemy speaking anything in us to try to manipulate people. He said, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. By the renewing of your mind. That is, a great, that is a great definition for repentance. It's a great definition for repentance. Well, what do you mean repent? That means to change the way you think. And you have to ask the Lord, God, Lord, am I thinking wrong? Am I thinking clearly? You know, the Bible says, and it's, I think it's in Proverbs 23. He says, a man thinks in his heart or his mind, so is he. The way you think, that's what you become. What you focus on, what you fixate on, that's what you become, church. So if all you watch is a certain thing, if all you listen to is a certain kind of music, if all you do is a certain kind of uh, uh, routine in your life, that's what you'll become. That's why it's so important to be together with God's people. That's why it's so important to focus and read the word and know the word and, and pray and seek God's face. That's why it's so important that we have this constant renewing of our mind. It doesn't just happen the one time. That'd be great if it just, we got it, wouldn't it be great if we just got it all once? Lord, renew my mind. Boom. Wow. You see everything clearly. Everything's perfect. And you just live this life, and man, you don't sin anymore. You don't have to repent because you don't sin. You know, wouldn't that be awesome? But it isn't that way. He says renewing. It's constant. Constantly seeking. Constantly knocking. Constantly asking. It's an ongoing process. But if you're not putting on the armor of God, if you don't understand it, you're not going to be walking out this process covered the way Jesus wants you to be covered. Verse 4 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not, they're not worldly. They're not flesh. 
but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Say strongholds. strongholds. What are strongholds and why, they need, why do they need to be pulled down? You know, we sing that and we read that. Like, well, what's a stronghold? I don't, I don't know what I need. But whatever it is, I need it pulled down. Son, could you go over there? There's something. There's a stronghold over there. Could you go pull that down? You know, pull, we need the, what are strongholds? Let me tell you what a stronghold is. In the context of this, cha- of this verse, it's wrong thoughts and perceptions. It contradicts the true knowledge of God and the nature of God. Can I read that again for you? This is what a stronghold looks like. It is wrong thoughts and perceptions that contradict the true knowledge of God and the nature of God. Because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth in the life, okay? Wrong thoughts or perceptions say just the opposite. He's not the way. There's lots of ways. He's not the truth. I know a lot of the Bible is true. Now, some of that's good, but not all of it's true. And he's not the life. I mean, I've got life within me. I don't have to have Jesus to have life. See what I'm saying? The enemy can start putting these thoughts in your minds. You will deal with people like this all day long if you go talk to them because they're all out there. They're all, what's, what's anything on television? Watch a reel. Find out what people are thinking because not everybody believes the way you do. Not everybody believes the Bible is true. Not everybody believes that Jesus Christ is the only way. And so that if you, if you start engaging with somebody and you don't know the word, and you start listening to them, you start listening to their lies, you start listening to their, uh, the way that, that they've rationalized and compromised, all of a sudden you can start to have wrong thinking. And then a stronghold will appear in your life, and all of a sudden you need that stronghold pulled down. You need it gone out of your mind. Wrong thoughts or perceptions say just the opposite of what God says. That's why the belt of truth is so important. So if you started relying on your carnal flesh and on your carnal mind, church, you will be in a position where the enemy can come in and steal your thoughts. He can come in and whisper, Harold, did you know this? And you'll start listening to the enemy. And you won't listen to the word. You won't listen to the spirit of God. And you'll start missing it. But thank God. <laughs> it says he gives us authority and power by the Spirit to pull down strongholds. Our weapons are mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Yeah, amen. amen. Come on. We don't, have to allow them, we don't have to allow them to stay there. Verse 5. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. I'm going to ask you something and be honest. Have you ever argued with God? Ooh. Yeah, we're honest. I heard Aaron in the, in the uh, interview say something about, like, did God, w- were you right in this? <laughs> were this was, how silly is that for us to say? God, did you really know what you were doing there? And G- God, I, you just asked me to do, what are you? Do you, do you really know who I am? Do you know what I'm capable of doing? Have you ever done that with God? You just argue with God. How ignorant is that? That we would argue with the God who created us and knows everything about us. He knows what we're going to do, when we're going to do it, before we do it. He knows the beginning from the end and the end from the, and the, end from the beginning. He knows all of that. And you will go, oh, God, I, I just wonder if you know what you're talking about. How many, how, many parents, how many husbands in here argue with your wives? Raise your hands if you argue with your wife before. How silly is that? 
I'm just telling you, there's two words. If you want to have a successful marriage, there's two words, men, you've got to learn. It's yes, dear. You say yes, dear. Or yes, ma'am. They don't, sometimes they don't like ma'am. That makes them think they're, they're older. Yes, dear. If you just say that, guys, it doesn't matter what they tell you. Yes, dear. You're good. I won't ever have to see you in my office. But we argue about things. And you, how many, I mean, I'm going to go back and ask that question in a different way. How many men argue with your wife and you already know they're right? Come on. Come on. Raise your hands. You already know they're right. But for some reason, this thing called manhood, man up, woman, what you telling me? Are you serious? Those socks will get in the dirty clothes hamper when they want to get in the dirty clothes hamper. Don't you tell me to pick up my socks. Just saying. I know I'll get emails from that one probably for over everything else I've ever said. Men will, why did you say that? I left this morning, all my clothes are on the floor. <laughs> Help us, Pastor. Don't put us, don't throw us under the bus. <laughs> How many kids in here? We got this family saying, How many kids in here argue with your parents? Oh, all the parents are going, Yes, they do. <laughs> so you're saying, as a child, you know more than mommy and daddy. But you don't. You think you do. You think your room is clean, and they go, uh, no, it's not clean. Let me show you why it's not clean. Oh, I don't want to eat that, but they can, no, your parents know what you need to eat before you need to eat, because if kids got their way, they would have ice cream three times a day and cookies, right? But we argue about things, and, and this is what that scripture is talking about. Listen, we'll go back and read it again. Casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. It's called pride. It's because it's, 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 and God says, listen, when these arguments come, you need to cast them down. You need to say, no, 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 no. I'm not going to argue. I'm going to agree with God. I'm going to agree with the Word of God. I'm not going to agree with myself anymore because myself is wrong a lot. And I want to start agreeing with what God tells me to do. I want to tell you something. God loves you so much, He's not going to lead you down the wrong path. If he calls you to Africa, that means you're going to love Africa. Or you're going to go kicking and screaming, and God's going, why do you do that? When you get over there and you get to know these people, you're going to love it. Right? Well, God, I, I don't want to work with the children. You know, I don't like little children. And finally, God gets his way. You finally relent. Okay, they're dragging you and scream, you're screaming. They're dragging you to the children's area. I don't want to help those kids. But then you find out these little kids love you. They just want to come up and grab you around the legs and hug you down. And, you know, just like, you go, wow, why did I fight God so much on this? Quit fighting with him, church. If he's called you, I'm telling you, he's got a calling on every person's life in there. Every person. And he is not going to lead you astray. He's just waiting for you to be obedient. Then he says, bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. I want to tell you this, church. We are not helpless victims or recipients of our thoughts. We are not helpless victims. The thoughts come, oh, I had a thought, I guess I got to do it. You know, there's a great Greek word for that, baloney. <laughs> or in Hebrew, it's balagna. Old joke, but it still works. 
Dana's a little late, but she got it. <laughs> you don't have to agree with the thoughts that come into your mind. The enemy wants you to. The enemy wants you to be offended all the time. Did you see why? Did you, Mark, did you see the way she looked at me? Did you see that? I, I can't believe that. We get offended by looks. We get offended by somebody's accidentally not speaking to you. Or, or even on purpose not speaking to you. I know. I, I know people because I'm a purple. I'm a people. I'm a purple man. I'm a purple pe people. I've been in Walmart, you know, and you, you see that person that's offended you, and they're on aisle 400, and you're on aisle 388, and you see them down, and say, oh, boy, I'm going back to the aisle 300, you know? How many, come on, be honest, you just you saw somebody at Walmart or some other store, and you decided, I don't really need to talk to them today. Come on, honest, come on, there you go. Because you, somehow they offended you. And the enemy wins when we get offended. The enemy, the, the enemy wins when we don't forgive somebody. So our thought life is so, so, so important. Put on this helmet of peace. Because when you have the true helmet of peace, guys, you can see that person because you've already given that to the Lord. Because you've ever already taken that thought captive to the obedience of Christ. You can walk up to him, hey, how you doing? You can give them a hug in Walmart. You can ask them about their kids. Isn't that, isn't that better? Is that a better scenario? Instead of having to walk around and think, I hope they don't see me. I hope they don't, oh, no, no. I hope they don't give the same check out. I don't know. Hey, I, I made it. And then you see them in the parking lot. You're right next to them. <laughs> Daggummit. <laughs> but if we have on this beautiful helmet of salvation... This, hel this, this, this helmet of peace, we can walk and go wherever we go and not have to worry about it. Anybody walking up to us and thinking, they don't love me. They don't care about me. Right? So when he says, why, why does he give us this armor? I've got to go back to the original intent of the scripture. That's, that's the part that I, I think I missed in the past. The original intent of the scripture is because the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy you. He said he's scheming all the time. Man, I hope I can arrange for them in Walmart and you in Walmart to clash together. I hope I can get your baskets to run into each other. Because you don't have peace. And I want you to be so in turmoil and chaos in your mind that you, you can't recognize it. You, you, can't, you can't operate in the, the peace that passes understanding. See, you understand why it's so important to have peace? Not your peace, the peace of God. He said, the world can't give you this peace. Only I can give it to you. James 4, 6. But he gives more grace. That's Jesus. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the who? Humble. Humility is so huge in the word of God, church. Therefore, submit to God. See, when you're putting the armor of God on, you know, that's what you're doing. You're submitting to God. You say, my armor is not capable of doing this. I wear under armor. <laughs> it won't do it. You can wear a bulletproof vest. That won't do it. 
You've got to submit to God and say, God, your armor is it. If I don't have your armor on, I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm just an open person waiting to be attacked by the enemy. I, I, my shields are down. I'm open for an attack. So he says, submit to God. There's that word then. He says, resist the devil. And then what will he do? Sounds a lot like every fiery dart of the enemy will not hit you. Doesn't it? Armor up. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I don't know how you can draw any nearer to God than had his righteousness covering you. His peace, his shoes, his shield, his helmet, his breastplate, his sword. I, I can't even imagine how much closer we can get to God than when we're armored up. and We're covered by him. Covered by his blood, we're covered by his love. Cleanse your hands, he says, you, dirt, you, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. There's that word double-minded. If you don't have that salvation, that helmet that covers your mind, he says you'll be double-minded. You ever been double-minded before? Man, that is a sucky place to be. One day you're thinking this way and you're all in, and the next day you're all out. Double-minded. He says, cleanse your Hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. Then he says this, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Well, that didn't even sound fun at all. Doesn't sound good. But what he's saying is here, what he's saying here is get angry over sin. Get, get, be sorrowful for your sins. Don't continue your sin life and like skipping through life. Like, oh, God doesn't mind if I sin a little bit. He didn't mind if I do this. He didn't mind if I do that because he does mind. Because he hates sin and he knows what sin does to you. He knows what sin does to your families. So be sorry for your sins. Then he says, let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Lord, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's about you, Lord. When you do that, when you understand it's about him, not about you, you humble yourselves. You put the armor of God on. You know it's his armor that's covering you. The enemy does not really have a chance. He doesn't have a chance. I had some more scriptures, but I think that's plenty. Read Luke, I mean Luke, uh, read Isaiah 59 this afternoon. Just write it down, read Isaiah 59. I'd like to hear some of your thoughts on it. Because in the end, at the end of 59, it talks about God puts on his own armor. You know, if he can't find us to put on our armor, he's going to put it on himself. He's coming back, and he's going to be armored up. He's not going to be the meek, gentle, mild Jesus riding on a horse. He's coming armored up. He's our salvation, church. He's our hope. He's our armor. He's our protection. But the first and foremost thing you've got to know is, are you positioned in him? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do your kids know that you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Just stand.